millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I kind of had the vision of just... In, a, in, a, in an apocalyptic sense that, you know, what you're creating is that radio signal out there for someone, who, whoever's listening, you know, this is, this is something about us as human beings that is nice and distracting from all the madness in the world. And if you are there, then, you know, enjoy kind of thing. Welcome to Nothing Concrete, the Barbican podcast, here to help inspire more people to discover and love the arts. I'm Nina Garthwaite and I'm one of the creators of Soundhouse, along with Eleanor McDowell and the Barbican. The Soundhouse is an online exhibition featuring creative radio and podcasts, and it's also a space to reflect on audio culture. Radio and podcasts aren't usually visible in public space, like music is in a concert hall or art is in a gallery. So in creating this project, we were curious about whether putting radio into a space like the Barbican might invite people to hear it differently. For the first Soundhouse, which was back in 2018, we made a specially designed pop-up venue in the Barbican foyers. It was a sort of cinema for sound with a focus on communal listening and work that stimulated the senses. This year, Soundhouse had to be online, so we decided to explore the themes of intimacy and distance. On the site, you can find three guest-curated listening rooms, and each one broadcasts a loop of audio works that you can tune into anytime, a bit like a radio. In this special edition of Nothing Concrete, we'll hear from the three guest curators. I'm Arlie Adlington, and I'm an audio producer based in London. I'm Ariana Martinez, and I'm a multimedia artist and radio maker based in New York City. My name is Axel Cacoutier, and I'm an audio artist and poet. You'll hear clips from the listening rooms, as well as the curatorial statements that framed them, as these audio artists interview each other about why they chose the work they did and what inspires them creatively. With work that sits in a gallery, for example, like a painting or a sculpture, there are very clear spoken and unspoken rules about how close you as another body can get to that object and what you are allowed to perceive of it. But with audio, it feels like 
the medium just leaks past all of that. Even when you set up barriers like, oh, this piece is only X number of minutes long and can only be accessed on this platform. And, you know, if you are a person who hears and and even that is so like expansive, you know, you have all of the information of vibration, you have uh, you know any number of permutations of how something sounds to any number of ears you know uh, and all of those are very physical experiences that are a- as close to like your actual like the barrier of your body as possible Mirror touch. Sound is a wave moving through a medium. Particles of air dispersing, water quivering. So much of you is just air and water. Porous membranes and soft tissue. Sound is moving through you, too. It is the small ringing of birdsong that reaches you, still half submerged in dream sleep, and pulls you onto shore. As you lie on your back with sun-soaked eyelids, it is the tall, windswept grass, a sampling of transparent tones that wraps you in gauzy layers. It is a friend or a lover who turns to you and whispers, hot breath pressing words through, from mouth to ear, a kind of resuscitation. It is goosebumps and butterflies and sinking stomachs. It is a rippling vibration, moving from the earth to the bottoms of your feet, inward and upward and through, With the belief that sound is a kind of touch, this selection of works for Soundhouse centers around the tactile qualities of sound, those which ground us in our bodies and to our surroundings. Pieces were selected for their potential to provoke actual, physical sensations in listeners, for their attunement to sound as a physical material with textural qualities, and for their reflection of visceral sensations or sensory-rich environments. I remember the day you left me. I was chewing soft chrysanthemums. Bitter white juice stained my grief. Maybe that's the reason why You always come back to me whenever bitterness falls on my eyes. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You came back to me as a sensitive plant. What I am curious about with your brief and your statement, the the word grounded, and I associate that with memory and 
um, that tactile, again, use that word too, the tactile experience of what sound can do and what art does as a whole to ground and to remember, I think, our springboards into something else. Is there something that you are, that you want the listener to remember? Because the sense to, to the sense of feeling grounded could imply that there's something that's not, <laughs> that's something that's me, me, means that we are in this wonderful mm-hmm. chaos, if you want to use that word, of, of, of the winds, of everything that just means that we're not centered. I know recently I've been personally feeling um, like a really, really, I've been having a really, really hard time um, keeping track of time and movement and like where I am just like, I think I, I'm someone who can be very in my head um, almost entirely for long stretches of time. Like I don't have to be a body and I like actively choose not to be a body a lot of the time. And that's like a a different but related issue. Um, And so I think that I'm looking both in the work that I make and the work that I listen to or, or otherwise take into my mind uh, for very direct reminders of the material and physical world and I think right now, especially we're just in this moment where it's so hard to get the amount of that that we need, you know, and to even remember that we need it, to even remember that, like, I do need to touch physical material objects. Like, I do need to be close to other human beings. I do need to smell the difference between summer and winter air, you know. And I think that the work that I chose for The Loop um, hopefully kind of evoke these like sympathetic reactions where either you are actually or at least approximately feeling the thing that's being felt in that piece or you're reminded to go seek it out hello hello so you know with like hello echo for example how are you good i think about that piece so much because what do you feel like today it it's very funny and silly, but it's also extremely serious in that, like, why aren't we in direct dialogue with our, you know, natural surroundings? Like, really, like, like calling and responding back, you know? Have a good day, Echo. Oh, thanks, Mama. <laughs> Using something that's not physical to remind us of the physical I think that's quite a skill and that's quite special in our brains there's all of these like seemingly unrelated random bits that once they're touched like ripple into like a whole thread of memory and a whole thread of experience that you can kind of reactivate if you know how The place where the light bends. There are certain big ideas that shape Western society and which are used to marginalise some people and to centre others. Ideas like white supremacy, patriarchy, etc. 
In my audio loop, I wanted to share some pieces that try to engage with and explore those ideas using personal, intimate, and sometimes very vulnerable storytelling. I believe that the way you hear greatly informs the way you interact with the world. It's what led you to the language you developed. These are pieces where the producer digs really deep into the ways their own life has been shaped by the bigger idea they're trying to explore. So next time someone says, go to hell, I can say, been there, done that. By doing this deep reflection, they try to understand that idea better for themselves and for the listener. My eyes turn to flames, ignited by, yet resigned to, trans desire. I think this is a style of work that can lead to really insightful observations about topics like white supremacy and patriarchy that wouldn't come out in work that's more removed or that tries to be, in quotes, objective. Making work like this often involves a personal sacrifice to some extent, because it means letting strangers hear something intimate and personal. They might not understand it, they might judge you for it, or they might retaliate against it. I don't know what will happen if I let my guard down. It also takes a lot of energy to explore complex ideas at a systemic and personal level simultaneously, in a way that's thoughtful and structured. But as well as involving some kind of sacrifice, making this type of work also has the potential to be healing for the producer. Although there's no way to know until you go through the process of making it. When these pieces work, they give the producer and the listener a tool to dig into complicated, nuanced, thought-provoking stuff about some of the biggest concepts that fundamentally shape our culture. When you go into public toilets, it is stressful worrying how other people are going to react to you being in there. But the worst thing is actually what it makes you do to yourself. When the majority of people look at you and don't see your gender how it feels to you inside, you have to work really hard to hold on to your sense of self. It's like you know who you are, but all day you get treated like you're someone else. That takes mental effort to fight off. And for me, that's the more stressful thing about public toilets. It's like, I'm just trying to live my life, and suddenly I have to piss, and I need people to misgender me so I don't get any hassle. I go into the toilet, hoping people will think my gender is something different to how I want them to see it the whole rest of the time. And when it all goes fine, it's like, great, I didn't get harassed. But also I've just been reminded that people don't see me the way I feel inside. And that chips away at you. Going for a piss should be the simplest thing in the world but instead it becomes this massive head fuck. And I'm actually lucky. I'm lucky that a head fuck and a bit of hassle's the worst I get. It's just going to the toilet. Everyone has to go to the toilet.
Okay, this is a story that I never told anyone before. So, Arlie, before we began this recording, we were having this kind of side conversation about how much of yourself, in a personal sense, do you give to whatever you're making? And it seems like everybody who contributed work to your audio loop is giving vulnerable parts of their lives that are varied in their dimensions of vulnerability. Like there's, to me, there's like layers in each piece where, okay, I've given you this much of myself. I've given you this much of myself. I've given you this much of myself. But then there's a moment in almost all of them. And especially like where I caught this was actually in your piece where I thought I've heard like all of the most vulnerable thoughts that could come out of this. But then the individual speaking seems to like break the final layer between them as someone separate from you as a listener and they've like let you in to like the kind of last bit that they maybe were holding on to or protecting and for me that happened in your piece when you were talking about the the moment of like almost like divine gender recognition and then when you try to explain it as you are in this podcast to us to the listener you almost sound like you know that it's going to be hard for some people to take your word for it and to like understand that this happened and this was like a profound experience for you. And I guess I am wondering if like your willingness or ability to do that, to like kind of open the door, that last door to yourself in the work that you're making, if that's changed over time. I guess a, a thing that I find like useful about audio as a medium for exploring that kind of stuff is that you can kind of pretend like no one is actually going to hear it <laughs> um, <laughs> because you don't have to get up and say it in front of anybody. I don't know, maybe that's kind of stupid and obvious, but like... Um... I don't think that's stupid and obvious at all. I often do this thing where I'll write in the second person, which I've talked about before, but I do that because it like allows me to not be me. Um, and in audio, like you can kind of, even if you're the person telling the story, you can kind of project it onto like an imagined person or imagined self. I think what I'm like trying to do or find or something when I make a piece like that is just to crystallize one small thing that I know exactly what the experience is I'm trying to describe or as like a thought or a feeling that I've had then I just know that I can find the words to explain that thing quite clearly. Uh, and I suppose in all the pieces in my loop, lots of the stuff people are describing, it's not necessarily like universal experiences, but they're saying the thing that they need to say about it or that they want to say about it. Somebody else isn't been like, I know you have this experience, tell me about it or something. It's like they've gone, no, I've got a thing I want to say about this that I think can be said well through this medium of telling this story in this way. So, yeah, I do think that is a common thread in all those pieces and that that's something different. People can make something different or a different outcome is comes out of it when a person is in charge of all the elements in that way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. 
we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You had to dig deep to find it, to make sense of yourself again. Separating was really you from whatever you picked up to keep going in this world. It can be both liberating and terrifying because maybe, for the first time, you learn you're not the familiar mask you have to wear. You're not this terrible thing that needs to be grateful for being here. And you don't need to soften the letters of your name for them to say it. You have never been too loud or too smart. An angel or the devil. In fact, you have never been any of the things you mysteriously felt obliged to be because you realize it's never been about you. You are black because you need to be. Because they need you to be. In order to stay white. Fourteen world powers discussing the future of the entire continent and how to carve it up. European powers had been setting up colonies in Africa for decades. Now they decided which parts of the continent they would each be allowed to treat as their own. This is how you find yourself in a game you never asked to play. In a hall of mirrors where you see them more than you see you. But you can't afford to forget yourself. Because knowing who you are is your way out. But after the mirrors and distractions the names, countries, and the sea. After finding yourself on the outside, this time alone in the dark, separating from what you're not, can you truly say who you are? I think there's a reason why there's a golden disc flying through space um, 
with the information of who we are as a species as opposed to uh uh you know a very expensive impenetrable glass case with a tree in it for example you know there's something that sound and the voice that, that what it does to us as human beings in, in order, order to recall you my grief has to be gendered so even when i step on the mound you're buried my body will be forever alien if I recall the ceremony or like ritual to remember someone that I loved and like someone who loved me back, that ritual language is gendered and my instinct will be like, oh, that's the language and I learned, so I want to have some kind of relationship with it, you know? I'm, I'm not, not your, your eldest son. son. How, How do, do I access, access your archive? I'm not, not your daughter. daughter. How, How do I sound, sound my loss? loss? Is there a right way to stay warm? But also as well, it's just kind of like how minimal the technical requirements are for it, as opposed to other forms. You know, you need to study X amount of time. You need this much money to buy an instrument with this. You know, like you, everything now is, you know, even with your phone, just sit down in a relatively quiet space and, you know, like hang your arm out just to record the rain. It's just something so immediate and soothing and relaxing and connecting that the sound has. What it does to the imagination, what it does to us as human beings, I think it's, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's the most powerful thing. isn't made to experience only once. How many times have you watched your favourite film or listened to a favourite song or album? Most galleries are free to visit, and if you've had the habit of going every now and then, you may have a favourite piece of work. But what about audio? Whether it's a podcast, radio production, or something in between... I don't think we've developed the same listening habits compared to other mediums. When was the last time you've listened to a podcast more than once? If ever. Why? Have we given in to the competing forces that demand our attention? Or has nothing been made that speaks to us in a way worthy of our time? This curation is an invitation to pause. I want to share pieces with you that have made me forget where I am and who I was and other works that have made me feel a lack or reimagine a possibility that I didn't begin to think existed. And yes, of course, I have shamelessly repeated all of these productions, hoping to hear it for the first time again. I hope you do too. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. 
I'm so so sorry, God I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry this reply is so late. I look up from my desk, and it's been a fucking month. I'm so sorry to be so slow. I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I, I promise I have it for my mind. Sorry to be useless, sorry to be keen, sorry to be out of it, sorry for the bother, sorry for the stress, sorry to be a disorganized mess, sorry for the stream of consciousness email. Am I being an idiot? I'm probably being an idiot. I'm almost certainly being an idiot. I'm an idiot. I'm a monster. I'm so sorry for this. Oh love. Oh love. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry you saw how sad I was. I'm so sorry. If it hasn't felt like, I'm so sorry you've been feeling, I'm sorry I haven't been in touch more lately. I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry not to have you in my life right now. This is maybe slightly opening on one of those more of a comment than a question things, but I promise yeah. there will be a question. <laughs> um, I was thinking about the reasons why people like maybe don't return to audio and like re-listen mm. to things um, the way that we do with like TV and movies and books and things like that. And um, I don't know mm. whether any of that is to do with the fact that like you mostly listen to audio. It's not like usually very social. It's usually something you do on your own. And then also, I was wondering if it was anything to do with, like, the fact that there isn't usually some kind of, like, visual reference to remind you of the existence of the thing. So, like, you can, like, look at your bookcase and see a book that you've read before and be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to pick that up and read it again. And you don't really have that with audio. So I feel like maybe That's things slightly true. disappear into the ether after you hear them. But anyway, that made me think something I wanted to ask you, which is like, I've heard people kind of make this argument that like life's too short to read the same book twice. Mm -hmm. You know, like, yeah, why would I yeah. read a book I've already read when there's like thousands of amazing books still to read and I have only so much time to read them? Yeah, I don't necessarily, yeah. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that made me want to ask you, what do you think people could gain from coming back to audio pieces that they've heard in the past like is there something either you think that can be gained from revisiting things and also are there what what, what have your experiences been of revisiting things and what have you got kind of like second and third time around listening to things that comfort that comes from listening to something that just felt good to listen to the first time I think it's just probably trying to attempt to do that because I know that for me that's quite often I, I quite go I, I, I go through this nostalgic rabbit hole I guess like even when, when Spotify does this whole thing of like here's your year in review and you you <laughs> you instantly know the spaces that you were physically and emotionally when you've repeated that song again and again I think it's quite 
healthy to tap into that into that memory, into that feeling of being like, oh, this is where I was at when I made this, or this is where I was at when I listened to this and how much it helped me heal, how much it helped me bring, give new perspective, um, how much I agree or disagree with this 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 uh, presentation of whatever it is. Um, and now specifically with audio, I think every single piece, um, again, has that real um, tangible, tactile time capsule of bringing me back to um, the moments when I listened to it for the first time. Something that I do get really strongly is very strong, like, place memories of where I was when I heard certain, like, radio stories or podcasts or whatever. So then I get this thing where when I'm, like, back in that place on that, like, random, like, staircase at a train station or in the supermarket by the lettuce or whatever, I, like, have, like, a story that pops into my head that's located in that place. So in that way, I feel like I sort of do re listen to things in a way Mm. whereas you know like I don't have that association really with like films or books because I'm probably sitting on my sofa when Mm. I you know take those things in so I don't know it's just a different a kind of slightly different way of re-engaging with things because of the way that I listen to stuff yeah and I'm just thinking about like when you re-listen to something like you're kind of coding it in another layer of like a reality. Every time you listen to it, mm. it's mapping onto a different place and a different place is mapping onto it. Kind of like Arlie was saying yeah. how when you encounter the like the place in the world where you listen to the thing, it's queued up again. And so every time you listen in a different place, you're like queuing it up with another yeah. with another that's like dimension of it. That's, I love this. But that also reminds me of the fact like do you think <laughs> Because I kind of reckon like the first listen almost, you know, like a, um, I've been re-watching The Crown and quite often whenever they're re- re- um, recording um, what the Queen is saying for the first time, they've got that blank vinyl and they're recording it and it's um, carving in the, the grooves of this record, basically. That is essentially you, you distribute that, like the, the first the first record, basically. Um, and mm-hmm. I wondered, are you able to essentially record new grooves or is that you know like in a deterministic way do you think like you can listen to some, that that first that first impression that you've had of it do you think that could re-record um a new experience and a new association do you think that's possible like for me i feel like that's it's, it's, it's that's why it's always a time capsule but for you you're sounding it mm. from how you're saying it, it sounds like the here and now is always what's yeah. going to be recorded in association mm, to that like established versus cumulative yeah like yeah this is like the you know the first kiss moment with this piece of audio yeah. and it's like embedded in your brain forever exactly or that. it's like this is like a long courtship with this piece that you know builds over time and like as we get to know each other yeah. like we make each other better like yeah. i think that's how i think about like the audio that i love so like it's like constantly shaping me and like like my world um, and hopefully, like in some weird cosmic way, I'm like shaping it, it back. It, it begs you know? the question: Why do why does one listen to audio in the first place? Is it to like form new memories, or is it to establish a relationship with self and your own growth? And you know, the intention to listen to something again is almost kind of like a measure of that and how far you've gone or going or whatever like that. I don't know. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. wow. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. 
You can experience the listening rooms in the Soundhouse on barbican.org.uk forward slash soundhouse until the 28th of February 2021. Specially commissioned essays and poetry which accompany the exhibition will remain online. Thanks for listening to Nothing Concrete and this special Soundhouse episode. Subscribe to Nothing Concrete on Acast, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.